great to see you all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, because it is Christmas, right? Hey, Merry Christmas. All right, so we've been going, if you've been with us, we've been going through a series called Chris, Chris Myth Busters, and we've been looking at some kind of common um, mis, uh, misconceptions about the Christmas story or, and or the Christmas season. Um, and this week we're going to look at two of them. If you've got a, a, your note sheet, um, anybody still need a note sheet? We'll get one over to you. Just throw your hand up in the air if you still need one and or pen. Need a couple up front. Anybody else? Some pens. You need a pen? A pen. Pen. Um, here's what we're going to do. We've got two this morning, and I've got them in the opposite order. So we're going to start at the bottom one, and then we're going to go to the top one. So that makes perfect sense, right? Very, very much on purpose. Um, not really. All right, myth number one. It's all about the wrapping. It's all about the wrapping. What's your favorite Christmas present you ever got? Anybody? Shout it out. The best, the best Christmas gift you ever received. Shoes? Okay. Y'all tied on that. Shoes? Anybody else? What's the best Christmas present you ever got? Rifle? Okay. Train? Nice. I like trains. Your wife? Well spoken, sir. What else? Best Christmas present you ever got? A what? A go-kart. All right. That was last year, right? Okay, cool. Xbox. The best one I've gotten so far this year, uh, thank you, David Morton. My buddy gave me a um, collector's Lord of the Rings Pez set, complete with bonus Eye of Sauron um, Pez dispenser. So um, it's pretty sweet. I would, I would have brought it, but it's a collector's uh, item. I want to open it. Um, do you remember the wrapping paper? Do you remember how it was wrapped? The best present you ever got. Do you recall that part? Well, do you remember the present, right? Um, we're going to show you a little clip to help um, point out the myth here that it's all about the wrapping. into the cornucopia, quivering with desire and the ecstasy of unbridled avarice. Didn't they get a tie this year? Wow! Whoopee! A Zeppelin! A can of Simon eyes. My God, would you look at that mess? Mm -hmm. Who's going to clean the papers up? Not me. Oh, oh no. no. Granny did it last year. Well, he can do it again. Hmm. You know, this wine's not bad. Well, it's not good either, but he wants it. Yeah. No, you don't. Oh. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. Almost, huh? Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Hey, that's so funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Behind the desk against the wall over there. Why don't you go check it out? Hmm. 
you there, honey? I, 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 Santa Claus probably will. Oh. Things are dangerous. All right, so everybody's familiar with that movie, right? And, you know, the next thing, of course, he does is sh shoot his eye out, right? So the whole, the whole time in that movie, uh, Ralphie was wanting the Red Rider BB gun with, what was it, the compass in the stock and lots of other things he would repeat and say over and over. And got to the end of his Christmas, and that's the thing that he desired most, and you saw him rip into it, and you saw both of the kids, and even the parents just rip into their presents. The myth here is that the wrapping, it's all about the wrapping. The truth is, well, the wrapping is destroyed, but the gift is cherished, and you saw them just trash the wrapping and cherish the gifts. And the, the best gifts that you can ever imagine that some of you are telling me, there's most likely you don't remember what they are wrapped in, but you remember the gift and you remember what it meant to you. And some of you are thinking of other gifts and you remember cherishing them and you probably cherish some of them still to this day. Can you imagine how crazy it would be if somebody said, Phil, I've got the best gift you'll ever open. Here it is. I love you. Take this gift. It's from me to you. And I looked at it and said... Did you really just put a purple bow with that green paper on there and those red polka dots? You know that does, I mean, that just kind of clashes. That's, that looks horrible. I'm not opening that. You put no time into wrapping this thing. I don't really care what's inside. You're going to have to go rewrap it. I mean, well, that would be nuts, right? What, if I did that to you, you would probably take the gift back. You'd take it back to wherever you got it, to Walmart or whatever, my Lord of the Rings pest set. You'd take it back, and you, would, you wouldn't give it to me because I focused on the wrapping, and that would have been totally offensive to you, right? See, we don't really focus on the wrapping does not matter. It's the gift that's inside of it. And here's, here's the application for you. Life, okay, life is temporary. Focusing too much on the external will cause you to miss what it's all about. Life is temporary. Focusing too much on the eternal, on the external will cause you to miss what it's all about. All right, hear this. Many people in life will miss out on Jesus because of the way he was wrapped, because of his wrapping. <clears throat> he came as a child, the, the, very, the most humble and meek of circumstances. He led a very gentle and meek and humble life as a, as a carpenter. He wasn't even anybody um, 
royal and important in this physical life. That was his wrapping, and many people miss him. The, we have an, an entire religion still exists in this world, Judaism, because they miss him because of his, his wrapping. The plan was for, for Jesus to come and to restore God's chosen people, the Jews, and they missed it because, because he wasn't some big valiant king with, with a sword in one hand and the word of God in the other hand just hacking off Roman heads. So, so they completely missed him because of his wrapping. Um, <clears throat> I know that doesn't necessarily really compare to you because um, you weren't a, a Jew a couple thousand years ago looking for a Messiah. But the thing is, is that we can still miss Jesus because of the way both he is wrapped and the way he asks you to wrap your life. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, well, to jot down, if you want to go look into um, specifically 1 Samuel chapter 8, you can go look at that. That was where uh, the, the Jews had, had begged God for their first king. And he, he warned them that it's not going to work out well. And it shows you exactly what the kind of man that they wanted. And he gave it to them, and it did not work out well. So if you want to go back and do a little study there and um, to see their pursuit of a king, that's 1 Samuel 8. Here's how we can miss him because of the wrapping and because of how he wraps us. I said he lives a very uh, humble and gentle and meek life, all right? And he walked around and he, he spoke and he told people very, some controversial things. And he called us to, a very, to some difficult things. He said, by, my, by um, our grace and power that you can do those things. But he called us to a, very, to a very difficult set of things. Here's what he called us to. He said, to follow me, he called us to humility, to good stewardship of our family, of our time, stewardship of our money, to live above reproach, to be servants of others, to put yourself last and others first, to abstain from sin, to trust him regardless of your circumstance. I mean, those are hard things, right? I mean, that's just not easy. That's just not a, you know, follow-la kind of free life there. He called us to some difficult things. He called us to, uh, he gave one sermon, if you're familiar with it, uh, we call them the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Let me read through that real quick to you. You can jot down the reference. It's, Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 11. He gave this sermon which was completely countercultural for them and for us now. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. It's great. And in the same way, they will be persecuted, the prophets who are before you. Who wants a reward? How many? How, it's not. It's countercultural to want a reward later, right? We want our rewards. We want them now. We want what is good for us and best for us right now. And Jesus preached this life of humility and servanthood, and He said, "Your reward is later." It's completely countercultural. He also never promised the life that He called us to was going to be easy. In fact, in places, write these down. In places like John uh, chapter 15 and Mark chapter 13. 
He even went so far as to say, look, the world's going to completely hate you because you follow me and because you believe in me. Your family's going to turn against you because you follow me and because you believe in me. So he never promised it was easy. In fact, he promised the alternative to that. That's how he was wrapped, and many people miss him because of that, because he's not, because he doesn't look like the kind of man many wanted to follow. Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 3. You can write that one down. Isaiah 53, 1 through 3. He talks about how Jesus was less than desirable man. He wasn't anything special to look at. Uh, he, was, he was just a very simple, humble man. That's the way he was wrapped, and he's called us to a very difficult wrapping. Here's the problem with that. It doesn't really lend itself to how you desire to live your life, right? I mean, if we're just honest. I mean, if you had just complete choice yourself, wouldn't you choose something a little bit different? Something that held you in a little higher esteem, a little more power, let you be a little, a lot more comfortable in life, have more wealth, have more success, have, 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 stuff, 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 things, things, things. That, that, if we, it was just up to us, that's what we would desire and that we would go and get for ourselves, right? So his calling doesn't always lend itself to our lives. And he desires to wrap us in a certain way, and we desire to wrap ourselves in another way. Our desire for stuff and comfort and success and happiness clashes with that. And often it really clashes bad when bad things happen to us. Uh, when you lose a loved one, you're really quick to question, to question God and to bail out on him when we meet circumstances that we just feel like we can't overcome, when we lose a job, when we lose success, when we face addiction, when, when we're very uncomfortable, when we struggle, when we, have, when we feel like we don't have the answers and we're confused and we lack understanding, we're very quick to hate the way he's wrapping us and, and very easy to miss him. All along the way, he's reminding us that he's completely trustworthy. John 10.10 10, um, tells us that he's got a plan and it's to give you life more abundantly. And he's, he's assuring us all along that while, yeah, the wrapping might not seem like the world wants it, it's okay. And you can trust in me fully to take care of you. So application here, again, don't miss Jesus because you're too worried about the life that will eventually waste away. Hear that. How many years we have on earth at best? You know, avoid red meat and exercise and do all that kind of stuff. You might get 70, squeeze 80 out of it, right? And then we reach to eternity. So it's a very temporary thing right now and all the stuff that's in it. The eternal is forever. That's the very def definition of, of eternal, of eternity. Don't miss Jesus because your focus is so much on the right now and polishing up your life right now. Because then you will miss him, and all those things are going to waste away and not be there for you in the end. So myth number one, simple enough, right? Myth number one, it's all about the wrapping. The truth is the wrapping is destroyed, and the gift is cherished. Jesus, the gift is cherished. All right, now we're going to get into uh, the second myth, which is really the first myth on the page, but, you know, I got them in the wrong order, so that's okay. Second myth is this, okay, before we play a little clip I've got for you. No crying he made. 
Ironic, right? No crying that he made. And, and, and this actually kind of focuses on one of the best-known Christmas carols of all time, Away in a Manger, right? Which is actually is kind of um, funny to go back and look at it. It's kind of riddled with myths and, and just misconceptions about the Christmas story. Um, let's see. Can, can you pull up that picture of it? The picture they have? I, I actually Googled Away in a Manger, and this is what popped up. Here's what we have. Right there. Over the shoulder. I had this picture. I saved it. Put it up there. That's a that's good artwork. Paul made that. He's very Alright, so here's what we have. This is what came up. I don't know, let me see that. Alright. For when I typed in a way in a manger, and you kinda got the, the common scene, a nativity scene, right? You've got um Super jaundiced, glowing Jesus there um, needs to be under a heat lamp. Um, he's obviously not crying because Jesus wouldn't cry, right? Um, Mary definitely looks like she just had a baby, like right? I mean, she's she's very good. She's um, strong lady. You've got the cow right there. Um, the cattle are low, are lowing, right? Low to your neighbor now. It's just mooing, right? Turn to your neighbor and moo. That doesn't make Jesus cry. If I woke up to a cow standing in my face, I mean, I would cry, so I'm pretty sure a baby would cry. But apparently Jesus would not cry at that. He also, show of hands, if you, like, by some odd chance, had to give birth to a child in, in, a, in somebody's basement and lay him in a feed trough, how many of you would leave the hay in there? You ever thought about that? I mean, it's itchy, right? I mean, would you put your baby in hay in the food? I mean, cows there trying to nibble at Jesus' hay mattress. and I mean, this is not realistic, right? What is realistic is that you would have had a very, very real human set of circumstances here as a real human child was born, was given birth to. Um, can you play that video? I'm going to let this play behind you. It's kind of a safeguard. If things are going bad, it just kind of rolls. It's my child. This is my baby. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk over it if you can. I don't know if you can avoid looking at how adorable that is. That's my baby, Kata, playing with a baby as we talk about a baby who was a real baby. I like that. And she honestly thinks that's very funny. It is super cute. Love that kid. All right, as as she kind of loops through right there for a minute, I'll let you know I've been editing videos of my child for like half a year, and it never gets smaller. And I've got like 12 gig of finished video, Bart, on my computer. We're taking so much; it's not even the raw video. It's of everything, everything from man, that's cute. I love that. I can't even focus. Where's That's just go? my baby being a baby. Where's your baby? Baby. Baby. She'll do it all day. Baby. All right, you got to turn that off because I can't focus. All right, so I looked through, I'm looking through all this video because I'm making uh, DVDs for, for families, uh, kind of chronicling our child's life the first year, and, and just seeing all, every, everything she's done. 
And I, I was doing that in, in between some of my studying for sermon prep, and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm telling everybody about how real of a child that Jesus was. I'm thinking, he went through and he experienced all of these things that I've chronicled of my own, of my own kid. There was, at some, there was some toy that Mary and Joseph played this game with Jesus, and he thought it was hilarious, and he cracked up. There was, um, I've got, you know, there were, if they had a video camera then, and they filmed every bit of his life, because they would have, because they were his parents on earth, and they loved him dearly and cherished him, they would have had video of, of him crawling and rolling over and walking and talking, and the first time he picked up food with his hands, and, and the first time he, you know, he ate with a, a utensil, in the, and his, they, would, they would get his first words, and they would be tracking all these different things, and they would track when, you know, he was doing something really cute like your kid always does, and then you pull out the video camera, and then your kid sees the video camera, and then he or she stops performing, because you know that, right? My kid does that all the time. It's just the most amazing stuff, like go win me $25,000 on America's Funniest on videos, and then she sees the camera, and it's like, <laughs> and she'll just stop and won't perform. And they would have filmed that. They would have gotten all of that. Because the truth is, the myth is no crying he made. The truth is, he was a fully human baby. He was fully human baby. And make a note out beside of that. This is very important. Make a little note out beside of that that says, but not merely human. Okay? Make a note that says, but not merely human. Although he was a fully human baby. You can turn her off now. You, it's really hard to do, I know, right? That's my little miracle baby. As you all know, she's fantastic, fantastic. He wasn't glowing, levitating. There was no halo. He really pooped and peed. He slept 16 hours a day. He nursed every two to four hours. And he spent a lot of time crying because he was a baby. And it's okay to say those things because his humanity was very, very important. In fact, he was so human as a child that he was absolutely dependent on Mary. He was absolutely dependent on her. He would have starved to death. The Son of God who came in, in the flesh would have starved to death without Mary. He was that human. Here's the application before we expand a little bit. His humanity is essential to our salvation. His humanity, the fact that he really came to earth and was in human flesh and blood, his humanity is essential to salvation. All right, that note I told you to make about not being merely human, let's get that out of the way real quick. Because he came to earth as fully human, does, don't hear that as, well, he stopped being God while he was here. He was still completely divine. And there was a, a council of guys a lot smarter than I was in AD 451 called the Chalcedonian Council fancy. And they, they wrote up this little creed that basically says Jesus was one person with two natures. And he was fully human at the same time he was fully God. And I know that sounds nuts. It doesn't make any sense. And guess what? I won't stand here and try to explain it to you because I believe that there are mysteries of God that we will never understand. And I'm not in the business of conquering God to try and put an answer to him. It's, uh, if you want the technical theological term, called the hypostatic union. See, educated. I, I Actually, I looked that up on the internet. Um, it's a very big word to just basically say that. He remained both God and he became human and he did those at the same time. 
Um, St. Augustine said about, it, said about that, uh, this. He said, Christ added to himself what he was not human. He did not lose what he was divine. All right, so now that's that. That is out of the way. Well, one scripture to go with that. <clears throat> Jot this one down and I'll read it to you. Philippians 2, 6 through 7. Philippians 2, 6 through 7. Talking of Jesus, it says, Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but catch this, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found, even verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he remained God, but he laid that aside as he was here, and he became fully human, fully human for our behalf. So you got it. We raise the question: Why is that so important? I mean, what what is the big deal about that? Why would we, you know, spend most of the morning talking about him being human? I mean, he was human, right? It's not that big of a deal. But the application there was, again, if you miss it, that's essential to our salvation. And here's why: uh, If you got your Bible with me. With you, not with me. I got mine up here with me. Turn to the book of Romans, please. It's after the book of Acts, the New Testament. Turn to chapter. Turn to chapter five with me. Chapter five. Chapter five. Here's why it was so important. And it really all goes back to the Genesis account of Adam and Eve. Chapter 5, verse 12. How you doing out there? You good with me? Tracking with me? Hadn't put you to sleep yet? Because it gets heavier. I mean, that part where you smiled at my child, that was probably the last time you smiled for the morning. I'm sorry. Um, so if you need to go back to that, picture it in your mind. Verse 12. Therefore... Justice through one man. Hold up your finger and say one man. Oh, come on. It's not that hard of a thing. Hold up your finger and say one man. One man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Therefore, justice through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. All right, let's unpack that for just a sec. All right. Adam and Eve. Committed the first sins. They were perfect at creation. They were meant to live forever. It was, it was a perfect place and time. They disobeyed God. They committed the first sin. And here's what happened with that. Two deaths entered the picture. One, physical death. That's when it was appointed to every man to die then. Before that, no death. After they sinned and disobeyed God, death entered into the world. All right, that's the last time we're going to talk about physical death. Just know that at that point, at some point, everything and everybody had to die from that one mistake, that one sin. What we are going to talk about quite a bit is spiritual death. I told you two deaths came. The physical, which we're going to leave alone because everybody knows everybody and everything dies. The spiritual death also came in through that one man's sin. Here's what happened. Because he sinned, he disconnected himself from God. From a perfect God who can't have anything to do with sin. And so he sinned and he had to be punished for that. How many, I mean, you, 
lots of people in here have kids. When your kids disobey, you punish them, and you have to because if you don't punish them and, and fulfill or follow through on that, then things just get worse and worse, and it's a responsible thing to do as a parent, right? Because he sinned, punishment entered the world, and that was spiritual death. And here's what I mean by spiritual death. And, um, you know, if I say anything stupid or wrong, just correct me. I have all the permission in the world. Here's what I mean by spiritual death. We believe at the gathering in a very real place called hell. Um, I know it's a very offensive uh, word and thing to talk about. It's not fun, all right? Uh, we believe in that. Uh, it's a very real place, and it is a very real destination and, and very deserving of us who have sinned, which is all of us. And because Adam sinned, his punishment for that was eternity there in hell. We believe it's a very biblical thing, it's very accurate, and it is, very, it is the punishment for the sin in our lives. Okay? Sorry, I wish it, wish it were different, um, but everyone is deserving of that hell. That's spiritual death. It's eternity separated from God, and that eternity is in, would be in hell. Um, that was the result of his sin. Look with me a little, bit, a little bit later in that chapter, at verse 18 and 19. Write that down. We're still in Romans chapter 5. And, Rome, and just the whole entire chapter of Romans 5 will just help you a lot. I would encourage you afterwards just to go and read through that. How are we doing on time? Are we all right? Quarter after. Verse 18 and 19, let me read that to you. So then, as through one transgression or one sin, there resulted condemnation. That's that punishment of, 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 eternal, of, of eternal separation from God. As through one man that happened... Even so, through one act of righteousness, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Verse 19, for, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the one, the one that we worship, the one that came as a child, through the obedience of him, the many will be made righteous. Here, so here's where we are. Through one man came sin and death, eternal punishment. Through the other man, one other man had to come and do it right to redeem it. Does that make sense? One man messed it all up for eternity. And don't blame and point your finger at Adam because you would have done the same thing and so would have I. I probably would have done it a lot faster. I would have actually stolen it from my wife and, and eaten the fruit too. And should have been doing my job as a husband. Through one man that messed it all up, one man had to come and redeem it. And because that one man messed it up with sin, the one man that came to redeem it had to be perfect. Had to, had to lead a sinless life. Completely sinless from birth to death. Never sinned. Jesus Christ came and he lived a perfect, completely sinless life. And so because he left a, led a sinless life, he faced temptation. He overcame temptation. And because he even could face temptation and deal with it and deal with all the struggles that we have, we know that he was truly human and that he came in human form. Um, he had to live that, sin, that sinless life to overcome, to overcome the eternal death. Look, write down here, uh, jot down Hebrews. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews for the rest of the morning. Write down Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Still tracking with me? This has made you sad yet? 
I know it's heady, but it is, it's the one truth that we've got in this world. And we're going to wrap it all up. Hebrews 2.18 says this, talking about um, the temptation of Christ. For since he himself, we're talking Jesus here, was tempted in that which he had suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He could reckon, he, he could, he experienced what we experience. He experienced the temptation that we face and so often give into, and that wrecks and ruins our lives because he was fully human. If he had not been fully human, he would have never have dealt with that. He would know what you're experiencing. But he experienced it and he overcame it. Write another one down. Hebrews 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 15. 4 verse 15 says for we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin completely fully human completely sinless it's the key to the whole thing here's a quote from a guy named Saint and Thanasius of Alexandria. That's a cool name. Um, he became what we are, that he might make us what he is. I kind of wrap that up for you. He became what we are so that he can make us what he is, which was holy and righteous, because we couldn't do it on our own. I said death entered into the world, and again, we're talking about spiritual death here. Death entered into the world when we sinned, cut and dry. I mean, that, that's what happened. So somebody had to overcome it. And that death, we're shown in, uh, also in the, in the, back in chapter 2, verse 14, we're shown, and it, it tells us that that death is the power of Satan. All right, another thing, the gathering, we, we fully believe in, in, a, in, a, literal, in a literal devil, uh, Satan that is, our, that is our enemy. He's the enemy of God, and he was defeated on that cross. But he has the power of death over us. Verse 14 tells us this. Um, it says, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. What do we mean, what do we mean by he had power over us? Well, he could insist that every one of us at some point die spiritually and spend eternity in hell. Because that was, the, that was the penalty we had to pay. And he had the power over that. And we could do nothing about it. Because how many of us have lived so far a sinless life? None of us. We all jacked that thing up way long time ago. So all along, the devil could insist that we face that punishment. And that we have to die that death. And so when Jesus came, he met the requirement. He lived a fully sinless life and gave an alternative. Before, it was here. You live, you sin, you die, it's hell. When Jesus came, he gave an alternative because he didn't need a punishment. How many of you, how many of you have a kid that you've never had to punish because they've never done anything wrong? Show of hands. Go lay them in a bed of hay and see what happens. Low those cattle. If your child never did anything wrong, you have no reason to punish them, right? Jesus had no reason to be punished, but he gave himself willingly. Here's the gospel. He never needed to be punished. He hung himself willingly on that cross to take 
your penalty for your sin and mine. He took that upon himself willingly, and he had to be human to come and do that. It's making sense so far? Absolutely. All right, here's where we're at. We're going to wrap this up. In short, here's kind of how this all breaks down. Through one man, sin entered, and we're all doomed. Through another man, Jesus, sin was overcome. And you have an answer. You have redemption. That's where a sad, horrible story of life becomes something beautiful and amazing. And it's why we celebrate Christmas. It's why we celebrate a baby that came. Because he gave us the answer. 